I'm Megan. I'm Colin. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. Have you had to handle a crisis in your business? From the personal to extreme weather, we are tasked with handling whatever comes our way. And we often don't recognize the toll it takes on us mentally, physically, and emotionally. Cheyenne Williams, owner of Shiny Day Specialized Pet Care, shares how she tackles the mental toll of natural disasters, why paying attention to your mental health is so crucial, and shares some resources available for those struggling. Let's get started. Yeah. Hi. I'm so happy to be back on the show, Colin. I love listening to your episodes and hearing everybody's stories, so it's really great to be back. Um, So a lot has changed since 2020. If we're not dealing with COVID, we're dealing with hurricanes. Um, (laughs) I own Shiny Day Specialized Pet Care. We are in Sarasota, Florida. Um, And oh, goodness, since 2015, my business has been open. Um, it was kind of like a side gig while I was working as a veterinary technician in um, emergency and specialty hospitals. Uh, so I have a lot of background in like mental health and dealing with the pet field. Um, I am on the board of the directors for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention in Southwest Florida, uh, as well as a mother of two daughters. Uh, and I am the PTO president at their school. So happy to be back. Yeah, it's a lot going on. And you started off by saying we've shifted from, from COVID to hurricanes. So I know that um, F- Florida and in your part of Florida is still kind of recovering from uh, the, an impact of a hurricane. So walk us through what what that was like, some of the preparation you undertook, actually writing it out and then kind of digging out from it on the other side. Yeah, so for Hurricane Ian, it's been a lot different than most of the other hurricanes. Um, I'm sure people have seen it like on the news, scrolling Facebook. Um, Hurricane Ian was actually four times the size of Hurricane Charlie back in 2004. Um, And the funny thing about Charlie was I had moved here about two months before that hit, and my dad convinced our entire family he said, oh, hurricanes never hit the West Coast of Florida. Like, <laughs> this is a great place to be. And then, to, of course, two months later, Charlie took our entire roof off. Um, so, you know, preparing for natural disasters has been a huge thing for me. I don't know if it's trauma or um, just the fact of being prepared makes it so there's less anxiety involved in the entire thing. Um, But yeah, so Hurricane Ian was supposed to be a direct hit to Sarasota, Florida. Last minute, it kind of shifted about 50 miles south from here. So, you know, I'm thankful and blessed that we didn't get the brunt of it. Um, But, you know, our our counterparts down south did get hit pretty hard. As far as preparing for the storm, I I know that we kind of talked about this back in episode 62. Um, There's a lot of different things that you can do to prepare for a storm, like especially if you have pets in your care, um, emergency authorization forms, uh, natural disaster plans, putting those in your contract and having that, that conversation with clients when you meet them 
because it gives you the knowledge on what to do with a client's pet, where they stand on evacuating their emergency contact, who you can drop the pet off with if that's necessary. With my emergency um, hurricane and disaster plan, there's three choices that we offer as far as if evacuation is necessary during a natural disaster. The first choice is that we'll transport the pet to the emergency caretaker, which is typically the best option that we recommend. The second choice is to transport the pet to um, the veterinary hospital of their choice or boarding facility. And the third choice, which I typically don't recommend, um, and I haven't had anybody choose, is having the pet remaining in the person's home. Um, with with all of these choices, um, you know, we we try our best to secure homes during Hurricane Ian. Um, I had about 14 different clients that I was taking care of. Um, so I had to bring in patio furniture, take things off of their walls outside, um, you know, sandbags on the doors, try try our best to, you know, kind of secure the windows, um, moving everything away from the windows and doors is always necessary just in case, you know, something breaks through the window or, um, flooding stuff like that. Um, and trying to move electronics and, um, items that are typically like on the ground or lower to the ground to a higher level in case of any flooding. As far as that goes, so we, we um, for Hurricane Ian, we did that for 14 different clients. I am happy to announce that none of our clients had um, significant damage done to their home. So we are super, super thankful for that. Well, and as you walk through that process, Cheyenne, you know, I, I think of kind of how we approach incoming you know, bad thunderstorms or tornadoes in our area. And all of a sudden, your list of tasks just goes through the roof because what we do with, with a typical visit of mail, feed, water, medications, short walk, cuddle time, cleaning up any messes, taking care of, you know, light housekeeping, that kind of stuff. All of a sudden, now you're under the gun and got that timer running to get a lot more of things done in that visit. So when you are doing these kind of preparations, are you extending the visit length? Are you coming in between visits to get these kind of things taken care of? How do you structure these new obligations in your day? Absolutely. That is... um a really, really great, great question. So for, you know, businesses who have employees, I currently don't have employees. So it was just myself. Um, I had the help of my amazing husband. Thank goodness for him. Um, it was kind of a mix of both of what you said, where during visits, you know, I'd take care of my regular tasks and give the pets as much you know, cuddle time and love that I possibly could while also, you know, taking inventory of what needed to be done um, in the home, doing the small tasks. And then by the end of the day, or, you know, if I had some lull time, uh, my husband and I would go to these appointments and, you know, move the big furniture, try 
not boarding up windows, but like moving things away from the windows, putting the sandbags in front of the doors, making sure we could do everything we could with what we had in the client's home. Um, you know, and it, uh, it does get a little stressful because it's not your home. It's mm. not your pets. This is someone's livelihood. It's somebody else's, you know, baby that you're taking care of. And when they're halfway across the country, halfway across the world, it makes it very stressful on them as well. So you have to focus on taking care of yourself and your family, make sure all your preparations are done. I mean, it's just like kind of like when you get on an airplane and they tell you if the oxygen masks come down, you put yours on before you help somebody else. And um, so we had to try to find the balance between making sure we had everything for our kids and our animals um, and then making sure we had things done for our clients as well. It's also a lot of information to all of a sudden have to recall suddenly. So I, when you're, I guess you, do you ask all of these questions and kind of get some of this information down? You're doing that during the meet and greet uh, and then other conversations with them while you're interacting with the client. Uh, and then how are you, are you storing this in a particular software? So you, when you're in somebody's home, you can go, okay, this, uh, how do you, how do you remember to do all this stuff is basically <laughs> what I'm asking Cheyenne. Cause it seems like an awful, a lot to all of a sudden have to go add, add to your plate. Yeah, of course. So um, with, I, I feel like this was a special circumstance because we typically don't get hurricanes to this magnitude in this area. So it was definitely like a learning experience for us. So um, like I had mentioned earlier, we implemented a new hurricane and other disaster plan policy. Um, I had the help of a wonderful pet sitter in the area um, help me with that, something that she's had for years. Um, you know, she's lived in Florida a lot longer than I have. So it was great connecting with her and kind of coming up with this policy. Um, so we use Time to Pet for our business. And in time to pet on the client settings that has the agreement portion. So we have added the hurricane and other disasters plan to the agreements portion, which we do go over in our new meet and greets. However, with current and past clients, we did send a copy out to each, everyone, um, for them to, you know, sign and acknowledge and made it kind of mandatory before they could book further dates to fill in, um, the, the questionnaire about what they would like to see happen if something were to come our way again um, while they were out of town. So in, in our agreement, we also provided um, resources and kind of like a checklist for them as well about securing your pets before you leave during hurricane season. I know, you know, other places don't get hurricanes. So this could be... Um, altered and changed a bit for, you know, natural disasters that happen in their area, um, other pet sitters areas. I apologize. Um, so crates are definitely a must if the pet has to be transported for any reason, um, for dogs and cats, it is required that they have crates, especially if it is, um, an evacuation situation where you have to go to a shelter. They do require you to crate your animals there. A disaster supply kit, I 
had put a copy of the ASPCA Red Cross and Humane Society's recommendations for the disaster supply kit, which I'd be happy to provide you. I think um, everything on here is kind of stuff that we had talked about in episode 62. So that includes like collar harness with the rabies and ID tags, leashes for dogs, food, treats, um, water, lightweight bowls, like travel bowls. I feel like every home has those now. Um, disposable cat litter boxes, um, cat litter, paper towels, cleaning supplies, uh, first aid kits. And then, of course, like the copy of the most recent vaccine history for each pet. We have that in our system. Um, but I do ask like during hurricane season now that they leave a copy of it on the counter or with their like their uh, disaster supply kit so that we could just grab it and go if we need to um, take them to like the caretaker or the boarding facility and then uh, detailed instructions for each pet. Now I also have that in my system as well. I do ask a lot of questions during the onboarding process. So everything that a shelter or a boarding facility would need to know is in there. So I can just simply like make a copy real quick, print it out and have all of that ready to go. I think helping educate our clients on what what they should have ready and prepared um, in the case of an emergency also will help with their anxiety when they're away from the home, when they're on vacation, something like this happens, Mm. you know, it it kind of is like takes that pressure off of them because I'm sure you've had something where you've been out of town and, you know, something happens back home, like the power goes out or the refrigerator dies. You, you do almost have this feeling of like helplessness because you feel like you should be there to do all this, but you can't physically. Um, and I think giving our clients these resources and things that they can do um, will just really help ease that anxiety when they're away. Yeah, that big word empower comes in of going, this is, these are things that you can do. These are actionable items that you can do that are going to help you while you're away. It's going to help us as well while we're, while we're here caring for this. And so for you, for you, Cheyenne, you mentioned, you know, your clients having anxiety. Uh, and but how did, how did, how are you processing? all of this and handling it as, as you're, you're watching the hurricane come through and you're, you have 14 houses that are under your responsibility. What's, what's that process like? Yeah. So that, that was honestly a lot of pressure, I think in the preparation phase of it. So you have these houses, you have these pets you're extremely concerned about what's going to happen. But I think as, you know, the storm started going over us and passing, like I would, it was almost like a kind of like a breath of relief, like, okay, we got through that. So let's, let's see what the next steps are. So as soon as it was safe to be on the roads, like I said, we were extremely lucky. Um, with the flooding and stuff like there were definitely down power lines and branches in the road. As soon as it was safe for us to kind of leave the home, 
we went and started assessing my clients' homes. Um, and as I got to each home, you know, you'd like kind of hold your breath. Like, I really hope nothing happened. But as I got to each, each client's home and I found, you know, a few shingles off the roof, but no leaking in the house, windows look good. Um, I had one client in particular that has has five guinea pigs and I went in and everybody was just acting like nothing happened. So I took their cages from the highest spot that we put them safely um, and brought them back to where they were and got them, you know, their lettuce and their um, bell peppers. And they were totally fine. Like it was just a huge relief, but <laughs> the, the anxiety of preparing houses and like, you know, you, you're doing all this stuff and then you leave the home and you're like, oh my gosh, did I forget to like bring a plant in? And then you have to go back and make sure that the plants in. it, it definitely, it definitely takes a toll. I was exhausted for sure. Yeah. Well, and as you mentioned, but all that pressure being kind of beforehand of, cause that's where all the activity is of that's all the, the, in the preparation and the movement and the, and the planning and in the implementation then. And then you do get that window of just waiting of going, okay, I hope the preparations have held. And at that point, there's really nothing else for you to do. And then I can't imagine of going into each home and inspecting it and, and right of being like, Maybe those visits weren't exactly the most physically demanding of them, but the the mental burden of going, I don't know what's on the other side of this door, or I don't know what's around this corner as I'm coming down the street. Or again, there's this level of anxiety and anticipation of what we're going to find. Oh, absolutely, and I, I mean, like I said, I I was so thankful, and we were so blessed here to not be hit that badly. That I I was just amazed going into these these homes, I was like, Oh, another breath of relief. And then as I finished off those visits for that day, um, I did have quite a few people. Um, I think that was the other part that was very challenging as the storm got closer is that all, you know, 14 of these clients were texting me, calling me, um, which I, I love. They are more than welcome to do that at any time. Um, but trying to delegate, taking care of the homes and answering clients promptly so they don't get worried. Um, it, I mean, it takes a lot out of you. You, you feel like you have the, the weight of the world on your shoulders in that moment where you're trying to ease their anxiety, but you feel like you're kind of taking it on. And you have 14 homes with 14 different conditions with 14 or more animals and different states of, of, you know, put togetherness and different questions and things that each one's fielding to you. So you are also having to keep track of going, okay, Sally called me. Sally was the one with the home that did this. And I have put the thing here. And that's, that's what that question's about. No, now Dave is texting me. And there's just that bombardment of, of information and of communication of you're right. Like it is such a struggle to keep up. So for you, did you just kind of take all that on? Or did you try and prioritize those as they came in? Um, so I, I really tried to when when I would get text messages because I was so like go go go. I would try to call the client while I was in their house. Um, so I I mm. tried to keep it as organized as possible. Like if I got a text message from you know Sally, and I'm in Dave's house, I I would text Sally and be like, 
I'll be at your house at so-and-so time. I'll call you then. That way I could keep the lines of communication with the the clients, pets, and um, the house that I was dealing with at the time open so that, you know, if, if I was noting something, I wasn't giving the wrong information to the wrong client. Um, and definitely, um, I mean, for those listeners who are here in Florida, pictures are everything. So I did take a lot of pictures, like, especially if there were, you know, big trees down in the yard or, um, shingles off the roof. Like I documented as much as I could for clients and put it in my time to pet system so that they would have that for, you know, if they had to file an insurance claim for the roof or anything like that. So I think that also kind of really helped the clients feel better about things that, you know, I I was paying attention to more than just their pets in that moment. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Dan from NYC Pooch has this to say. Time to Pet has been a total game changer for us. It helped us streamline many aspects of our operation, from scheduling and communication to billing and customer management. Uh, We actually tested other pet sitting softwares in the past, but these other solutions were clunky and riddled with problems. Everything in Time to Pet has been so well thought out. It's intuitive, feature-rich, and it's always improving. If you're looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessions. Because you can say, oh, a big a big tree is down, but for you to send a photo, you can go, no, a big tree is down or that particular tree. And that, that way it eases, again, this the anxiety of the client because they know what they're coming home to. They have better expectation because they may be communicating with other people in and around their property as far as clean, clearing crews or things like that coming around. So that kind of helps them orientate themselves in kind of a chaotic world when you're able to send those pieces of information to them. And I love the idea of just doing a phone call with them while you're there instead of trying to do the text back and forth because then you really can have real-time communication and, yep, I'm down by the breaker box or, okay, I'm going to go walk over. I'm in the laundry room right now and, okay, and this. And it just helps that flow of information because that's what you're you're doing at that point. You're, you're, you're trying to speed up and clarify and succinctly get information from one point to another. And and text messaging really is is really bad at that. It's good for documenting things that you've already talked about, but that one-on-one phone call really helps that process. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that that made it a little easier, like in the beginning, like for the preparation stage, I wasn't necessarily doing that. I was kind of like everywhere where, you know, I I would call a client, they didn't answer, but they would text me back. Then I was texting back and forth with them. I was on the phone with somebody else. I was dealing with a completely unrelated person's pet. Um, So once I, I think... I had a good 12 hours to kind of really figure out how I was going to handle the aftermath of everything. Um, And I definitely think that in the future, you know, knock on all of the wood and here that if this were to happen, I would definitely have a better system down on how to communicate with my clients and make sure it's all coordinated so that I'm not feeling as overwhelmed. So so for you, what are some other lessons that you took from this about you're going to implement moving forward? Well, one lesson I had learned back from Irma in 
2017 was that I cannot take every single pet with me. And I think Hmm. Hurricane Ian this year really reinforced that. So during Irma, um, it was my second year in business. I, it really wasn't, um, the scariest natural disaster that we have ever gone through. Um, you know, Irma was relatively small compared to Ian. So I just decided that I was going to take all of the pets home with me, which worked out (laughs) great for that hurricane. We had 23 animals in our house. Whoa. Um, Yeah. So we, we had my, um, in-laws, my mother and father-in-law, our two children, our animals, their animals, foster animals, and all of my clients' animals in the house. And it it totaled to be 23 animals. And it it was a lot, but it was doable. But with something like Hurricane Ian, where the possibility of having to evacuate was almost definitely going to happen if it didn't turn. I wouldn't have been able to do that with 23 animals. Um, So I feel like that has definitely really set in stone my hurricane and natural disaster um, policy where, you know, either the emergency caretaker takes the pet, a boarding facility takes the pet, or the pet stays in the home. Like, I personally really don't want the pet to stay in the home if I have to evacuate because I don't know when I would be back. I feel like it's necessary for the safety of me, my pets, and my children to have this policy in place. Yeah, and that's all about what we we look at for our businesses. Is there's always that balance of, but what can I do realistically? What what is something that is actually feasible for me and was going to work for me? And at the end of the day, we can't forget that aspect. We 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 can't just you know. I'm sure some people may go, well, oh, I'll just get a giant bus and I'll have all the animals there. And well, you know, that's certainly one way to prepare for it is to have a giant evacuation bus or or whatever. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I know, but but there's a lot that's also tied up into that as well. And so I I do think that we do have to make those hard choices and and the three choices that you have and discussing what those look like for each of the clients is one of the best ways to do that going okay that the client also needs to be involved in this process so what would they prefer and then that takes a lot of burden off of ourselves too yes exactly and i was i was so thankful that you know this this other pet sitter had offered to help me with this and i mean it it definitely is a huge relief from this end of it, because when, you know, the the only thing I have to compare it to was Hurricane Irma in 2017, like this storm is nothing like that. So we need to also keep in mind that every natural disaster, every storm is different. Um, and we have to be able to adapt and kind of be flexible to these things as well. Well, and that flexibility comes with the planning and also helps alleviate a lot of the overwhelm while we're in that moment. But as business owners, we're not just focused on the natural disasters, right? There's overwhelm that we come into and that we um, experience the rest of the year and from day-to-day operations. So for for you, um, have you ever personally experienced burnout in your business? Absolutely. 
Um, I feel like to a degree, every business owner has experienced this. And the way I see burnout um, is maybe a little different than other people. But to me, burnout just means you need something to change. There's something going on, whether it be in your personal life, your business life, that just needs to be tweaked a little bit. Um, For me, not having any employees, it was working seven days a week um, with honestly only ever focusing on working seven days a week and my children. I found that I wasn't doing a whole lot outside of working or I just didn't have the time to. Um, so the one thing that I changed to kind of get away from that burnout was, uh, I found things I was interested in and I put them on my calendar first. Hmm. So, you know, I started, um, yoga has been a huge thing. I have yoga every Wednesday from 1 PM to 2 PM. It's on my schedule. I do not schedule anything in that time frame. Um, I've also kind of changed my hours as far as, you know, when my last appointment is and when my first appointment is. I will admit that I'm kind of guilty on being super flexible on that. If I, you know, have a client that I've had for, you know, the last six years and they need like a later appointment, I am flexible on that. But otherwise, I typically try to stick to the schedule. Um, But I think definitely making time for yourself and making like your own little mental checklist um, is how you overcome that. Like find, like check in with yourself, ask yourself what needs to change um, and create like kind of a plan to ease into changing it. Now, they say if you want to know what's important to somebody, check their bank account and calendar. And I think if most of us looked at <laughs> looked at our calendar, we would find that we have very little time scheduled for ourselves, right? We would have so we would have very little things that are on there that's just for us, just our thing, something that's going to feed our mind, body, and soul, and help us recover from these stressful events and the overwhelm that happen day to day. And so by that that first thing of going, you know, if I I'm really good at always showing up for clients and for appointments for everybody else. What is it? I think one of those first questions is going, what is it about showing up for an appointment for me that I find so difficult? And man, that, that, those questions can go down some really interesting roads because it may mean, oh, I actually, I actually don't, I actually don't value myself as much as I thought I did. Or, um, I prioritize other people's happiness of above and more than myself. Or maybe I have a fear of, of losing out on income and money. And so I, I always will, um, schedule something else because I know I'll make money from that other thing versus taking an hour to go read a book. Whatever those motivating factors are in that moment, we have to walk through that. And that's a, a muscle that we have to build. It's not easy being business owners, being entrepreneurs. Um, it's not easy to, to, to look at that time and go, okay, I need to value me for a little bit right now. Absolutely. And um, I feel like you and I can have a whole motivational mindset podcast um, on this. <laughs> so uh, last, oh my goodness, August of 2021, I started, um, well, I guess I a little bit before that. So in June, I started having 
heart palpitations and um, they landed me in the hospital twice. And, you know, while I was in the hospital, they were like, your blood work, your x-rays, everything is beautiful. Um, You have anxiety. And I'm like, no, sir, I don't actually. I'm fine. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then in August of 2021, um, I ended up having a major panic attack that kind of threw me into, I, I don't want to use the word depression because I don't think it was depression, but it, it definitely threw me off where I was just like, something's not right. This isn't right. Um, I need to figure out how to like kind of fix whatever's going on. And um, I started seeing a therapist and she's like, well, you're telling me all of these things that you are doing for everybody else, but what are you doing for you? And that's kind of when it really clicked. And I feel like that's why I view burnout that way is that burnout isn't something that's wrong with you. It's not something that's wrong with your business. It's just a little nudge telling you that something needs to change. So when I started doing the yoga, I started working out five days a week. I started putting things on my schedule for me first and filling in the spaces around it. I definitely feel like that completely turned not only my personal life, but my business around and just made everything better. When you start putting yourself first as a priority, yeah, you do all of a sudden start rescheduling everything around it. And I, I have those moments of, you know, in, in business and our busy lives, we try and figure out, okay, what's a priority today? What do I need to get through on my list? Where's my list? How do I rank these kind of things? But if my kid gets hurt, um, I don't really have to go look at my list and go, okay, is this, where does this rank on my list? Right. I, I know where that a priority goes. And when you are, faced with heart palpitations and you're dealing with massive anxiety that's impacting your ability to operate and enjoy what you used to going, ah, I don't think I need to put this on a list. All of a sudden, this is my number one priority. We reach those moments in our lives where things come up that all of a sudden goes, there's no need to rank this. I, I, I have to address this. And what's important for us is to recognize I, I, I need to get to the point where I'm doing that before it becomes a major issue. You know, you're your child, we, we have this situation as well where, you know, I, I have all these appointments during the day, but I got a phone call from the school. We think Hadley broke her arm. I dropped everything I was doing and immediately went to get her. And I think if we start viewing our ourselves in the light of like our children or something that's most important to us, that, that will definitely change everything in your life. Well, and sometimes that means quitting certain things, quitting from obligations, quitting from things that you signed up for, quitting from things that you thought that you wanted to do, but now just realistically don't have the time. I know for me, that's one of the hardest parts of this, of going, no, I committed to this. I need to see it through. And that can cloud my judgment of going, you know what, actually, this this is actually impacting me a lot more. Uh, you know, So I can't teach at my kid's school anymore. I can't volunteer at this other place. I can't do all these these good things that I would love to do. But right now, it's not a good, healthy place for me to try and spread myself even thinner 
to do those because then I'm not doing them well. I'm not valuing myself at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and recognizing it is the most important step. Most definitely. You already know our friends at Pepper Neal's make it easy for you to send sympathy and milestone gifts to people that you love and care for. But did you know they have designed a new line of car air fresheners? They integrate long-lasting car-filling scents with adorable animal designs, and they're releasing new designs quarterly, so there's always something new. And they have sent these to Megan and myself, and we continue to use them in our cars. They continue to smell well, and our children continue to love them. They make great gifts, give an air freshener to new clients, or send something small for a birthday or even a holiday gift. Order a whole case of your favorite designs for $1.95 each, or you can have Pet Perennial send it as a gift package to your client with a handwritten card and gift wrap for $12.75, which does include shipping. Visit PetPerennials.com and register for a free business account today. You know, this is this is the the other aspect here of, of where we're business owners, um, but we have these these personal lives that we 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 have to realize that impact our business as well. Not not necessarily a oh, when I'm feeling this way, I don't make as much money, but uh, the, they're inextricably linked because it's it's our business, right? We're we're running it, we're guiding it, we're doing the field work, we're involved in it, and so when we are impacted, that impacts how we run our business. And so for for you, you know. How how should how should people go about getting help and support if they're if, if they're really struggling with their mental health and these these other things? Yeah, so that that is um, a beautiful question. I feel like uh, mental health there is like a huge stigma around it. Um, I'm very open in talking about it. Um, that could be a conversation for another day. Um, my I, I have a personal loss with suicide and mental health issues. Um, so there are a lot of wonderful resources that can help you or somebody you know with mental health. Um, like I had mentioned earlier, I'm on the board of directors for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention in Southwest Florida. And their website is a great place to get resources. Um, it's AFSP.org. Uh, if somebody is in a mental health crisis or um, struggling with suicidal ideation, AFSP, along with um, our other national partners, have gotten the 988 um, initiative implemented. So just like you call 911 for police and medical, you can call 988 for um, mental health guidance. And that was one of our huge initiatives. Um, I was actually on the advocacy board and got to talk to our local and state officials um, getting that passed into law. Um, So that's a wonderful resource. If individuals aren't ready to talk to a mental health professional, having somebody who's like your support system, somebody you can have an honest conversation with, is definitely the first first place to go. Talk in private to somebody um, about what you're going through. The one thing I would definitely recommend is if you are struggling with mental health is don't wait for someone to reach out to you. If you're having issues in your private life, immediately reach out to somebody that you trust or you know your doctor 
spouse, coworker, anyone like that, because a lot of times signs like these get overlooked. Um, prolonged feelings of like sadness. A, a lot of times people who struggle with mental health act like the happiest people in the room. They're the ones that make you want to laugh. So definitely check on your happy friends. Um, if you notice anything like changing in habits of your personal habits, like you're eating a lot less than you should, overeating, increased um, drug or alcohol use is typically a sign too. Um, and then extreme emotions. A lot of people don't realize, but extreme emotions where you go through periods where you're extremely, extremely happy, but that's followed by um, a really, really low sadness where you just feel into these emotions a lot more than you used to definitely reach out to somebody. Well, and it's not something that's just for somebody else. Right. I think that the important part here is that we all can benefit from better mental health and talking more openly about this and recognizing that everybody really ha- walks around with some sort of trauma from their life, however they're going to define that and how it impacts that. Um, there's a, a really good book um, uh, called The Body Keeps the Score about how the body is physically impacted by unprocessed trauma from some time in the past. And how one of the aspects of that is, uh, you know, uh, because traumatic events come up many times, it doesn't actually fully get processed and integrated into memory or the past. So that's one of the reasons why it always feels so present and you can never get away from it because it's never gotten processed. And then this can impact a lot of sleep, other behaviors, um, muscle activity, uh, digestive system. All of these things can start stemming from that. And just recognizing going trauma, big, little, small, medium, large, it doesn't matter. It impacts us. It could be the terror of a, of a hurricane, you know, 20 years ago or more. It could be witnessing a car accident. It could be something a lot more personal and close to us, but realizing that we are impacted by that. And by talking about it, by, by not waiting, by recognizing those signs, we are going to be better. And through that process, help others around us as well. And I think that's one of the things as well of going, we can we can help a lot of people by ourselves recognizing that we can we can start working and addressing some of the stuff that we're walking through too. Yes, definitely, and it, it's amazing that you brought up that book. That's actually one of my favorite books that um, I recommend to people. I have it sitting on my desk right now in front of me. Oh wow! Um, really, really wonderful book. I've personally bought it for about five or six people and sent it to them. Um, who have dealed with traumas or, you know, any, anything related to that. Um, it, it's so interesting how your body does keep score like that. Um, one person had said that, you know, for, for a small child, even something as little as like the tone of your voice can be processed as trauma when you're speaking to them. Like if, you know, if you're yelling, a child can see that you're yelling, but the body can store it as them being hit. So it's really interesting how your body, your body processes all of that information the same, whether it's mental abuse, physical abuse, it's all processed the same. Um, 
And that's, that's a really interesting part of trauma. And I do believe we do have, um, with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, we do have resources right now for people who have been affected by the hurricane. Um, so those are on there as well, because again, that is a big trauma. It is. It's trauma. And as business owners, we're in the pet care industry. Trauma may arise from the death of a client, sometimes in the not so pleasant way, or an abusive human client mm-hmm. who is not treating us well, uh, or is interacting with us in a, in a bad manner, or maybe we ourselves get hit you know, in a car accident going from one place to another. We accumulate those and we tend to just brush them off and go, well, never mind. I don't need to worry about that, or that's not my thing right now, or I'm too busy. I think that's one of the most detrimental things that we get involved in our brains of going, I'm too busy to work with that right now. I'll deal with it later. And then later never comes. And then we start to build up this... Uh, unprocessed traumatic debt, I guess, in our bodies that can lead to a lot of this, this burnout and these mental health issues that we, that we come across. And uh, with the, with the car accident, that's actually a trauma that I'm currently working on. I was involved in a car accident going to a client's home and, and, you know, I never thought about it again. I was like, my, my car was totaled. Um, but I was fine everybody else was fine. So like, I just went about my regular day, but, um, my husband actually brought it up and it was something that like, I didn't really notice, but when I would be in the car with him in the passenger seat, if he wasn't slowing down, I guess the way that I thought he would should slow down, um, I would jerk my leg up just ever so slightly, like put it up. Like I was bracing myself. And he actually pointed it out and he, he was like, you're, you're having a trauma response right now. And then once he started pointing it out and I started noticing it, I was like, well, this is something that I definitely need to work on with um, a licensed professional. Those little things, again, it, the quote unquote little, that's not, that's not belittling that in whatever, but it's the, it's the how it manifested of it would have gone probably totally unnoticed for a long time had he not pointed that out. And then who knows what else that leads to. So yet another reason for why surrounding ourselves with a good community and having that on our schedule, on our calendar, so that we are committed to that. So people can you know see how we're doing and we can see how other people are doing. Absolutely. And I, I post um, a lot about mental health and um, how people can get involved and kind of learn more about signs if they know somebody's struggling or if they struggle and um, resources that they can, you know, have access to, to kind of help them get through things like that. So it's definitely, definitely a lot of great resources out there um, for that. And, you know, I'm always open if anybody has, mental health concerns, they are more than welcome to reach out to me and have that conversation with me. How best can they do that and get connected with some of the resources that you've mentioned today? Yeah, of course. So my um, business page is at Shiny Day Pet Care on Facebook and Instagram. Both of those are open for private messages. And then I can 
give you my email to link in the show notes because it's ridiculously long. <laughs> Absolutely. So yes, I will have that link. I will have a link to the um, AFSP.org, uh, the uh, 988, and the um, uh, link to Body Keeps the Score in there as well. And anything else you want to send our way, Cheyenne, so we can have it in there. So if people are interested in donating to help out um, Florida and the local communities, how best can they do that? Yeah, so... Um the Florida Disaster Fund is open for donations um, worldwide. So it's just floridadisasterfund.com or you can text disaster to 20222. Um, thank you so much. Uh, this is an extremely important and, um, and, and relevant conversation for, um, for everybody, um, but also for the pet care industry who, who experiences a lot of these things and doesn't really take the time or have the time in their day to process them. So um, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing and encouraging us to to do and that there are steps and things that we can do to be better at this. So Cheyenne, it's been a, a real pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show again today. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. What does your calendar look like for next year? How much time have you set aside for yourself to do things that you want to do and not all of the other obligations that you feel like need to be on your plate? Managing a crisis begins with early and organized planning. Whether that's for the hurricane, the tornado, other natural disaster, the car wreck that happens, whether that's for a mental health crisis that we ourselves experience, begin pulling together resources, begin building space in your life today to be able to address those and have that good support team around you. If you feel like you don't have that support team, reach out to Cheyenne, Megan, and myself. Make sure that you are in our Facebook group, Sitter Confessionals, so that you can be plugged in to a community of people who want to see you succeed. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. We're so thankful for our sponsors today, Time to Pet and Pet Perennials, and we really, really appreciate you so much for listening. We'll be back again soon. I'm <laughs> sorry.